sharing with me, Tony, and her mom, Maria. Welcome to your new safe space where there's no such thing as TMI. Hello, all. Welcome to episode 33 of Oversharing. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm laughing at. Now you have me giggling. Good morning. <laughs> For me, it's morning. <laughs> Happy Friday. Yes. Happy I, Friday. I was worried it wasn't Friday. You and I'm off. Confused. So, and I'm energized. I got some good sleep. Yeah, that's true. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, we're about a thousand today. Oh, how... <laughs> are you feeling you're back on your tamoxifen now right i am how's that going i was just wondering if the sleeping that i've been getting lately is because of the tamoxifen so you're sleeping better i'm well i'm sleeping more oh than when you were off of it yeah i'm getting tired earlier in the day huh you're right yeah it's been i mean yesterday i went to bed by seven something and i slept through to 4 a.m well but then going back to being up at 4 a.m., that doesn't sound like a good time. No, I don't like it. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, and I've noticed my knees hurting a little more. Mm, and that's a side effect from the tamoxifen as well? Yeah. And yeah. I remember that from before. Right. So when you were off of it for those few weeks, though, did you notice those changes? Yeah, I, I definitely noticed that my sleeping changed. And um, I didn't have knee pain. <laughs> <laughs> that stinks. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, cancer. Right, or knee pain. And I think that's why they try to give you other supplements or things to help you fight those things, yeah. you know. I don't know if we ever talked about either. We could have, um, but even if we did, it was a while ago. The fact that when you first started the tamoxifen, you were in a study. I was in a study. Yeah. I think we did talk about it, though, but it was it was interesting. And even now... I mean, there have been times where I've forgotten to take my pills. Oh, I think we all do. Um, but the interesting thing is I had asked the question, you know, what is what is really this study about? And they're like, women stop taking their tamoxifen, and we need to know why. We're trying to figure out why. So there was questions that would pop up. I literally, an alarm would go off. I had a little bottle that the light was like a yeah. bright and blue. the alarm would light, go off could light up a room and off. oh yeah and off. <laughs> there were times where i wanted to put it in the car you know what i mean because on the weekend so, so it i could wake sleep you up. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you know they can only they can't they can only give you one time of the day because i was like look during the week i have this i get up really early but i don't right. want to do that on the weekends but they couldn't so anyway it was uh it was interesting that they just said people just stop taking it and they're like well what makes you take your tamoxifen day and i'm like um, I don't want to get cancer. Right. Then. I don't want it to come back. Right. This is a way to keep it away. Mm-hmm. But but can you understand, like now that you see the differences since you got like a little tease of being off tamoxifen again, do you see why some people were like, oh, I can't be this tired or I can't deal with this joint pain? I, I do. But on top of that, I mean, I believe that we just talked about it because it just happened was the fact that um, the buildup of the uterine lining yeah and that i had to have it you know i had to have it removed and i had to have um you know a dnc yeah and i had they had to test it you know um and it everything came back benign but you know uterine cancer is so now i have a six months wait you know where i get to think about um whether or not i want to have a full hysterectomy or have my ovaries removed you can have either or? Mm-hmm. Really? I didn't realize. So well, you just choose to have your ovaries Well, I'm, I think he's trying to give me, you know, some, some grace. But he's saying, like, even having your ovaries removed, you could still get uterine cancer. Right. So, but... Right. And it, this is only preventative. This is truly be a preventative measure. It would be like a woman getting breast cancer or not getting breast cancer, having the gene and saying, no, take them. Right. Take it off. Doing a Jolie, yeah. Uh, And my biggest concern is just the recovery time. Post-surgery. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I wonder what that would be like. And how 
my reaction was to this past surgery, the symptoms that I got, and it was it was awful. And then you remove so a full hysterectomy. I mean, I would imagine Everything. that throws off the hormonal elements of your body too so that's like a whole new i mean and once it's out it's out it's not like they can be like oh i'll put them back in so that we can regulate your so that's that's pretty and i wonder if it has i wonder if i have like any one up or a better chance of not my body not be going into complete shock when they just took everything you know most all of my all of my girly girly parts parts. that i was born with you know (laughs) what i mean except my breast but everything for my my hormones you know yeah um but because i've already been blocking hormones so much for almost two years i wonder if the difference maybe i won't you know have an awful reaction i imagine my emotions could be you know a little off and that would be interesting. Yeah, I have a job. <laughs> and I work with all oh, men. I know. I think that would be a little easier because if you just start like spontaneously crying, you know, you're going to have the ones that are like, oh my God, I'll go get you candy. What do you need? Here's money. You oh, know, they already, they already, I come in and or there's, you'll have there's the a ones. banana on my desk or there's a Hershey bar on my desk. And this has been going on for years. Yeah. And so I have no, yeah, but. Yeah. Or you get, or you just have the other kind of men who can't deal with emotions, especially from a woman they're not related to, and they'll just leave you alone. So, I mean, it's really win-win. You either get completely catered to or you get left alone. If I ever started crying after that in my boss's office, he'd be like, all right, full-time homework. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to need to get somebody into the office to do your hands-on stuff because Well, there you go. Maybe you should do some more crying at work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Maybe you've been playing it wrong. No, no, no. I remember a girl who, who, who trained me. I mean, she was amazing at training me, but she ended up just being, torturing me. And, uh. But um, anyway, I remember I her I remember saying one day when I got upset about something that I had done wrong, and it wasn't huge, but it could have created some issues. Right. You know what I mean? And I started to cry, and she looked at me, and she said, wipe your fucking tears. <laughs> she said, don't ever let anyone in here see you cry, ever. And I always remember that. And that has, I guess, helped me in my career of working Maybe. with, you yeah. know I mean, so many men were like, Mm-mm, no, yeah, you're not, you can't, you're not going to change my reaction. You, you stay know stoic. I mean? mm-hmm. Can't let people know when they're getting to you. Oh, they can see it on my face. Though. Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I had an opposite experience because I worked in people's homes and then became really close friends with them. So then I would just cry at work. <laughs> like, And it was funny because my one... You know, the one family I was with 10 years, I was 23 years old when I became their nanny, you know? So you have to consider not only just the youth of the children and how long I was with them, but really me. I mean, this couple watched me grow up, essentially, you know, and watched me grow up with their children. It's a very interesting bond and I love them both, but it's also, it shows you how safe and comfortable I felt in their home. You know, so as your mother and knowing these families, because I've been to events, they've invited me. And, yeah, you've met all the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it it seemed like that is exactly what was supposed to happen in your life. Oh, for sure. You've gone through so much and you've never really had a place that felt safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even in your own home, you didn't feel safe. So you had that. You went to work and you were like, oh. yeah. you know, and I knew that no matter what you told Maria, that she would always guide you. Yeah. You know, and so it was, it was some peace for me. Yeah, that's true. That makes sense. And you still see them. So I still see the kids. Yeah. We still get to see each other pretty often. And I've said before, you know, working as a nanny for me, it gave me purpose. You know, people find purpose in all kinds of things, whether you're many different jobs and hobbies and for me it was having those kids and I was going through so much shit in my personal life I think in the first year that they hired me my actually the first day my first day of work there that night my brother got arrested so and I think this was his second time so we had already kind of been right around Christmas we had already kind it was right after Christmas Mm. so I started working on January third 
I believe, and that's the same day. But so, yeah, my brother was in jail during that first time. And then within the first year, one of my very good friends passed away mm-hmm. suddenly. And then my dad was in jail. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then remember, I, I pick them. I, um, <laughs> I like tore all the ligaments and tendons in my ankle. Yeah. I had emergency gallbladder surgery, like all within the first year and a half of working for this family. So you know, my brother was struggling with his addictions. So it was just a lot. And I remember she did say to me at one point, she's like, I, I turned, you know, to my husband. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> what did you, we Other than your surgery, do? which was only a couple of days, you didn't miss any time. Oh, no, work. I never missed work. But I think it was more, you know, we're from very different backgrounds. Uh, not so much the husband and I, but definitely the wife. She had a very, her mother's an anesthesiologist, you know, her parents came here from the philippines um and her mother's just an extremely brilliant strong very unique woman to me like i i've never met many people like her but you know she grew up in this she went to a prestigious college that she doesn't even like to talk about she we just lived very different right we have different backgrounds live different lives which is interesting because i've learned so much from her and i think on the flip side you know, to watch what I went through with my brother and for her to have the contrast of, no, she's met my brother. My mm-hmm. brother has been to her home. Mm-hmm. He's been around her children. Mm-hmm. Um, to see the contrast of knowing you yeah. and how different your children are and the different experiences that we have and knowing what a great parent you are and that that doesn't weigh into, you know, what your children went on to experience. Right. And it was basically for her, she said, you know, just watching your entire journey and everything you've gone through for me was a very, it can happen to anyone. And she's like, my kids are very privileged, you know, because we have the means to give them things that a lot of other people don't, including a full Manny, you know? Right. Um, but it, it, it kind of, I don't want to say humbled her. I don't know if that's the right word, but maybe it gave her that, that open scope, you know, that life happens too. And you really, no one's immune. No one's immune from any of this shit. Whether it be struggling with, you know, your mental health or addiction. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, we went through it. And it was something that I had to. And I think that's why we were just so open about it. We never hit it. We always... We're in terms to my brother's addiction. Absolutely. Yeah. Because here's the deal. This he was is, very open about it this too. This is what we're going through and you have to choose if you want to be in our life. You're never going to get any surprises here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there were quite a few people who were like, no, I'm here. I'm here. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, so that's good. But yeah, just it can happen to anybody. It can happen to anyone. And, you know, but there, there are those who'd be like, oh my God, no, not they my look kid. down on you and no, mm-mm. Yeah, that was definitely difficult when I was going through it. Um, Because just hearing the way people talk, you know, if you see someone who is clearly on drugs, just the comments that get made, the words that get used. And then for you, it's like a a knife twist in your gut because you're like, damn, that could easily be my person, you know, in my case, many people that I know. And then also when you have someone you have to consider how many people my brother was very popular mm, you know yes. but the amount of people that he lost yeah it's too many to drug use and stuff and it's just it's just a it's and i was just thinking as uh we were going through this that when you went back to work after your brother was arrested i did too yeah and the first thing i did was go into my boss's office and said Good morning. You know, I almost called you at 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. And his response was, why didn't you? Yeah. And then I just, I cried. See, that time you felt safe to cry. Oh, I at work. Cried. Yeah. And I just burst it all out, told him everything that was going on. And he looked at me and he said, do you need money? Do you need an attorney? What do you need? And I was like, I'm okay. And then that started a, a morning meeting Every single day, he called me into his office. How are you? What is going on? How's Paul? Right. How's Tawny? And he's no longer my boss. And that relationship has not ended. He no, still I could call. I could personally call him right now and get an answer. He still works at Jefferson. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's more my colleague now than yeah. my boss. But, 
you know, there are a lot of people that say things about him, but I say if, if he's anything, he's loyal. Yeah, I think that's important. He's loyal. Being able to trust your boss, I mean, I'm sure we've touched on this a lot. How do you feel like as someone in a management position, would you prefer that your employees be completely transparent with you about what's going on in their lives? They are. Yeah. Most of them are. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I have, I have, you know, one who, um, he just left and I'll miss him dearly, but I had an employee who, who co-parented, you know, and mom always did the driving to school and she had to have surgery and go through recovery and he needed to change his hours. And I said, sure, we change his hours. You know, why lose your job? And then I have one who had a lot of family domestic issues and he came to me for everything. And I was like, I would literally walk you through this. And I did, you know, I, I create, you know, I've written emails for these, for these guys who, who just need them for whatever reason. Yeah. And, and there are some that I trust that, that know everything, Yeah, you know, and my last guy, you know, I'm going to give Joey a shout out. (laughs) Um, I miss him dearly. I worked side by side with him. And I mean, when knew, you're sharing a small space he with knew someone, everything about yeah, me, how everything do you not? about me, and I knew everything about him. And we don't talk as much now. I miss him dearly, but that um, that was a relationship that I cherish. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. I mean, I feel that way about the families I've worked for, and it's it's just so cool it gives such it gives such an interesting spin i've been able i've said this many times i'm sure i get to experience um the kind of boss employee relationship from a, a different angle that many will never be able to experience but i wish they could i wish people i wish companies had that kind of layout where you could trust and truly um bond with the people that you're working for you know when i was a server it was very different obviously that's different in many aspects but we were friendly with our bosses, but mm-hmm. there was always that, there is that line mm-hmm. of power. And of course, you know, in some cases that does need to be acknowledged because things can get very mm-hmm. sticky. And you guys are young girls. Exactly. But at the same time, there is something to be said for being able to just be honest about I, your I life. I do remember you having a couple of bosses there and some you knew you could trust. For sure. But I remember one being there that, um, I don't know if I wanted to have words with him or if I had words with him, but Which I was remember he wasn't but... <laughs> very nice to you and Jill. No, you know, I don't I don't think he had an issue with Jill. Him and I had kind of a personality clash. Imagine that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've run into that a few times in my life, you know, with adults. And at that point, well, to be fair... Well, it is difficult for people to hear the truth. That's fair. Um, in that point, I was an adult, you know, to be fair, when I was working at, well, I started working at Olive Garden at 18? Yeah, maybe. 19? I'm not positive of the year, but I remember. No, it was, it was the end of 2006. So I was 18 years old when I first started, when I started working at Olive Garden and I was there until I was 24. That's right. You graduated when you were 17, but you turned 18 the next month. Immediately after, yeah. Okay. That's why, that's why my years were getting messed up. I'm on like the younger spectrum for school because I have a summer birthday. Right. But yeah, so I was pretty young when I started working there. And we just didn't vibe. But he also didn't completely dislike me because I really made him laugh. But there was an incident that he wanted to get me fired for. I was working uh, the register in the back when I was doing Expo. And my money came up short in some regard. And he was pissed. He wanted to make an example out of me. And when he took it to the GM, the GM was basically like, that's not going to happen. And then the GM was trying to compromise with him. And he's like, what, what's the level of consequence? And he was like, well, I don't think she should handle money in the restaurant anymore. Which at that point I was doing takeout gift cards. I was, you know, expo. And this has never happened to you before. Yeah. And I was willingly doing expo, which a lot of people don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. So, um, basically and serving, but he wanted me to reduce to only host. So I worked everything front of the house. And he wanted me to be reduced to only host. And the GM was like, that's not going to happen either. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And so after that, I'm sure it was just maybe an ego thing. Yeah. You know. But I have to say, because working there, and I'm sure a lot of people that work in restaurants and bars feel the same way when you have multiple managers, we also knew who we could go to for what. And I don't mean that in a take advantage kind of way, but like we had one manager Dave, who absolutely no matter what, he was going to have your back. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. even if it meant getting a little sassy with the customer he was going to have your back and then even if you're wrong later he's going to pull you you know in the kitchen and be like you're an asshole you know why'd you do that that way but he's going to show you support and then but you knew which managers were going to make an ass of you and I hate to say it, but a lot of times the customer is wrong. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know? And I have to say, I am the type of manager like Dave. I have my employees I, You have to have back your employees 100%. back. You have to show them support yeah. because if you don't... And, and you, I will never let someone belittle them. Yeah, ever. and if you're someone that they can't trust, then why would they deliver? Why right. would they work mm-hmm. hard for you? You know, mm-hmm. and that's... It's but restaurants are tough. <laughs> yeah. And we're talking about bosses. So they, 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 they made this big change. And all of a sudden, that man who I came to speak with every day I was at work at 8 a.m. for a meeting to see uh-huh. how my life was and how my children were, and then talk about business and his family. We even went to Irish Weekend with him one year, mm-hmm. remember? Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't report to... Now, I have just... I go right to a director. Right. I used to go to an operations manager, and then he reported everything out to the director. So they've removed that. And I was closed mouth. He doesn't know. I mean, I would never even told him I had cancer if he hadn't texted me the day before. How are you? Had a you? vibe. He got, yeah, the, he got the vibes. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah, your previous director you're talking about. That was the only person, that was the only time I ever felt any kind of connection with him. But him being there, I never said a word to him about my life. Nothing. Really? I didn't know my children's name. I don't even think he knew how many children I had. Right. Or if I was married or not married. That's interesting. Mm-mm. No, I never said anything to him. It did mm-mm, no. And I, I wonder that, like, that was your vibe. Like, you that got was my vibe. Was that a trust thing? I just it didn't feel, it didn't feel good. I think it has to be difficult too for women, you know, in the workplace, big corporations and stuff like that. I've had so many. I've had friends actually who, when the discussions have come up about them getting pregnant, then chatter already starts about, you know them on the chopping block or how it's going to affect their job and I'm like what an awful thing to be a woman in the workplace and not even be able to be transparent about your life like not wanting people to know you got engaged because they're like oh great if she gets married she might cut her hours or if she gets like you know what I mean like all that I mean I've never had to think about any of that but I would bet it happens oh I'm sure I mean I work in such an inclusive (laughs) yeah that's true you know environment so I've never experienced that I mean we also have pods in locations for breastfeeding and I would imagine a hospital to penalize employees for getting pregnant would be pretty fucked up but I wouldn't be shocked right (laughs) right like I'm not sure I don't really know about what they get as far as um maternity leave paternity leave you know what i mean yeah. what if what if both mom and dad both work, work there? there you know do you still get your full amount do you get to split it up i don't know any of that because my children were born prior to me getting my job there in 2000 right 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 but um it's been it's been an interesting ride so speaking of being so how many times a year do you do employee evaluations once so once a year you go over each employee you see how they're doing have a discussion with them about what they could improve that kind of stuff yeah okay so if you were in a relationship how would you feel about once a year you and your partner sitting down and doing a partner evaluation I would love that. Really? Yeah, I would love that. So I've heard of this before in regards to children, and I think that's also interesting about giving your children every six months, giving your children a chance to evaluate you as a parent, you know, and assuming you're in a healthy household, this could be a productive conversation because you could even evaluate the child. And I don't mean to critique them like, oh, you should be getting A's when you're not getting B's, but be like, here's the areas where I feel like you know, you really meet expectations and they could say the same to you as a parent. But then on Twitter the other day, a woman talked about how her and her partner do this every six months. And some people were like, oh, now you're just making the relationship work. And I'm like, or feel like work in that regard. And I'm like, I think the opposite. I think this is such a good idea. I, I agree. I, I especially agree about the one with the children, because if I was really checking in with you, you know what I mean? And we were having a conversation you know, you would have really been able to say to me then, gosh, I hate it when you get upset and you scream. Right. Because that hurts me. Right. Do do you know what I mean? But we were never really having a conversation unless I was yelling at you. Do you know what I mean? We were already engaged in the behaviors that triggered us. All of it could have just made 
communication so much better between us. You know what I mean? And, and, and maybe for your brother as well. So I, I applaud it. And especially with a partner. And you're, it only feels like work if you're making it feel like work. Right. You know what I mean? But who can turn down communication? I, I don't understand. I mean, what a great idea, right? And you can talk about all the areas. Like, where are we? Are we on the same level as far as housework? Are, am I meeting your expectations sexually? Am I meeting your expectations emotionally? Are we having all the right conversations? Do you feel heard? I mean, and I think the crazy part is, is if you're hearing all this and it sounds ridiculous or you feel like that would be impossible for you and your partner, it like, for me, the, the times that would have been impossible for me with a partner were because my partner, like, they don't care. Right. Like, if you're with someone who does not care to better themselves or to be better in the relationship, then you're not going to be able to have that open communication and the transparency. But otherwise, it's not that hard. Right. But then it just flips me back to, like, how do so many people end up, myself included, how do we all end up in these relationships with people who don't even care to be in relationships. How because does it happen? We didn't, we didn't put any expectations down. We did not have standards in place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We did not set boundaries. I think too. You know what I mean? All because lack of communication. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> so that's why when you were saying it, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. That like this should be a part of parenting. You know I what think I mean? it's a great it, it should be going up idea for parenting. But I think where a lot of people would push back is you have those people who are stuck in the idea that parenting is about power and control and that the children don't really get a say in how they're being raised and they don't really get to weigh in about how your behaviors make them feel. I mean, we all know I don't feel that way. And I wish I would have been better at it younger because I was so young when I started working with children. And now my approach to them is so different, you know, and I'm so glad that I get to still interact with the kids because they get to see the changes in me and right. my growth and as well as their parents and stuff. And and it just, it shows you because I think we approach children in this way that makes them think that who you are is who you're always going to be. Right. When in reality, we're just ever changing. We're always evolving. We're constantly moving and learning, hopefully. Yeah, and I think it's that we don't really like with kids, we just shut them down. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I, yeah, and I saw a little girl the other day, and she comes out, and, and she's just walking out. She's adorable, but not a very nice look on her face. And her mom's like, <laughs> oh, I'm just going to call her so Sophie, your jeans are so cute. I do not like them. <laughs> they do not feel good. No, they're not my favorite. My boys, used to call, my boys used to call them she's hard She's like, pants. I want to take them off. And her mom's like, no, 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 we're going to wear them. We're going to go here. She's like, I do not like them. I'm, and she just crossed her hands and walked away. And I thought, I wonder if she had to wear those jeans for the whole I know. day. Because you, you were particular about things. I don't like things. them. I, she, and she, she spoke so well. I was and like, she's expressing herself and you're ignoring her. And when she her. walked away, I, I saw her grab a part of the pant and pull it up. And I thought. <laughs> they weren't fitting her right. Yeah, she needs some stretchies, Ma. My boys, <laughs> my boys used to call jeans hard pants. Um, yeah. They used to say that they couldn't move and groove. They wanted half, what they call them? Short pants. Short. <laughs> yeah. They had short pants and long pants. Hard, yeah. hard pants were jeans. Yeah. <laughs> but she expressed herself so well. And I. it was just a video. So no no shade on the mom yeah, at all. We don't even, yeah. But I really just am curious. Did she get to take those pants off? She didn't like. And did she put them the in jeans. the trash? Right. Throw them out. <laughs> you used to make me wear fucking stirrup stretchy pants. I wonder, I wonder if... <laughs> My fellow women that grew up in the 90s remember the fucking stirrup pants that went under your foot. I hated it. You did. And now I think back, like, because I'm so weird in other aspects. Now that I've, weird's probably not the right word, but it also is. Um, I've learned how many sensory issues I have now as an adult. Now I'm able to identify what they actually are. And I'm thinking back and I'm like, I must have been going fucking crazy being able to feel that thing under my foot. my foot. And then it would move. So if my two feet, they weren't on the same spot on both feet. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I'm very, I have to be even. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But imagine though, if we were checking in every six months, you probably only had to go about four or five months. In the pants. I'd be like, bitch, I feel very uneven. You know, on our check-in, okay, but Maria. (laughs) But then like you have kids. Maria, this thing's touching me. (laughs) 
Now, because, you know, your cousins had sensory issues, too. And I never realized it until That's just right. now. Because the one with certain pants, he'd be like, no, the bottom's not right. Like He, he still likes it, though. <laughs> In his defense, he's very tall. He's very tall. But, I mean, he wasn't that tall. He wasn't a tall child. Like, he was just no, an average, just average height, right? Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, he still, when he maybe put his arm straight out to like make sure the sleeves yeah. were at the same spot, and mm-hmm. then he would have to lift. What's mm-hmm. up, Nick? And then he'd have to <laughs> lift. Yeah, I think didn't, um, it might have been, didn't Justin make a speech about it? I'm not positive. At his birthday? I don't remember. And then he had to, he has to kind of march in place yes. in his pants, like his sweatpants. I've been shopping with them. But don't you have like a thing with sweatpants? You don't like the, uh, I don't like the ribbed bottoms I don't like either, ribbed right? bottoms. I don't like something that rides up my leg. Uh huh. Um, yeah, and, and, and I literally feel like I, sometimes I feel like I, if a pant touches me, it literally feels painful. Wow. Yeah, like I just, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, especially if I'm sleeping, I don't. I was going to say, what's terrible is when you're sleeping and if you wear pants and then one of your, your pant, pant legs, legs goes up. rides up. Yeah. It's hard and, and then like you can't. push it back down <laughs> and you're like kicking yourself. You know what I also hate that I do all the time. I don't. Well, we've talked. I've talked before. I don't know what goes on when I sleep you alone. Do, you do talk in your sleep. I talk in my sleep. You mumble. According to my brother, though, so when my brother and I used to have bedrooms close to each other, um, our wall was not. You could fucking hear everything. It was bad. Anyway, <laughs> but he would say that he would hear me like thrashing in my sleep. I don't know what was going on, but I always end up twisting my blanket basically is what i was getting ripping your fitted sheet off well that's a whole i wasn't even yeah that's a whole other thing but like my actual comforter like i'll wake up in the middle of the night because i've somehow got it sideways and now i'm not even covered (laughs) and i don't you know what i mean i'm too tall but it's that yeah (laughs) yeah you wonder like is your body really at rest when you're like my body's never because even i've said before i wonder if anyone else experiences this like when i dream 90% 90% of the time when I'm dreaming, I'm also, like, aware and watching myself dream. Like, oh, I can't even explain it. Like, it's a TV show. Like, I'm in my own head, watching my dream, critiquing what's happening, oh, telling wow. myself why that couldn't happen. Wow. <laughs> no, no. Uh, no. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> but we all, I mean... Here's the question. You're asking anybody else going through this because what, what's happening to I me? I need to know. How am I watching myself dream but, and critiquing my own self? Right. I don't know. <laughs> I, I would. I what? would critique yeah. my own dreams. <laughs> Can you believe it? You can't even dream <laughs> and let that be a thing. I know. you got to critique it. I can't even relax in my sleep. <laughs> it's really, that's the truth of it. That's a shame. So you're pro performance review. Yes, I am. That's cool. I like that idea. I think people should start doing that. And, not, was, and, and, and to learn, but also to learn about myself. And had I done that, you know what I mean? Um, we would have learned a lot earlier that it really was not going to work. Like, you know, the family oh, you with, dynamic. With my dad, sure, yeah. Sure, because that's a communication thing again. You know, it's there's no power there. It's just everybody sitting down saying how they feel. You know, I'm not saying there's no discipline and that children can manipulate their parents. I'm not saying any of right. that. I'm saying I need to understand what you're going through. I need to understand why you're crying, but you can't tell me why you're crying. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, there were times where you were upset and you you just didn't express why and you probably didn't feel safe to express why. Right. You know what I mean? And had I had that education back then, you know what I mean, to be able to just sit with you and, and just listen I just I, I don't know I feel like I mean I, I know that we communicated but I think I was always in in overdrive you know what I mean yeah and never just spending the time to truly hear you I think it's easy for people to confuse communication with talking as well mm-hmm. um, I would say we did a lot of talking mm-hmm. we come from a family of talkers we're constantly talking about everything And when I was younger, it was constantly talking about each other. And I think that was lined as communication. You know, if we're we're sitting around with Mm -hmm. your sisters or my cousins and we're talking about an event that took place or or a person, we would consider that communication because it's open dialogue. But Mm -hmm. that's not the type of communication we're talking about when Mm -hmm. you want to sustain relationships or make them better. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you 
there were children that were able to be sitting in a room with to hear us sisters talking and, and talking about other Fucked people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say that's one of the, the trickier things. Like, don't talk about shit. I mean, where's the balance, right? Because I do believe in a realism. I believe in being honest with children as well and teaching them things on an age-appropriate level. You know, like, I don't want to keep secrets from my kids. Right. You know, but there's also that balance of how do you keep them involved in the conversation, keep them involved in what's happening in the home, and also not putting any emotional burden on Mm -hmm. them for what's taking place. Yeah, that's tough. That is a lot, you know, because you have to consider even if we were sitting down, this would have never been possible in a home like ours because I didn't have a typical father. My father was struggling with his mental health. He would have never been able to hear um, critiques on his behavior or his personality. I don't think he'd be able to understand the fact that you did the just didn't want to wear those pants with the thing under the bottom because of the way it touched you there. You'd be like, what? See, but I think that's interesting because I think he Maybe had his he, own. Yeah, well, he definitely like had sensory yeah. issue. Like he was had his own little quirks that now looking back, we, we all do. Mm-hmm. Like we all do. I think it's so interesting that we go with the world expecting that most people are typical and that some of us might be like neurotypical or a right. little off or experiencing differences when more likely, like what is the standard? Right. For normal. How, why were we ever... What is, what is normal? Why were we ever approaching life as if we're all working at this baseline of all being similar? We're not. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you and I aren't. No. I mean, we... You know what I mean? My brother and I grew up in the same home together with the same parents. We are not the same people. Mm -hmm. We have commonalities. There's things that we agree on. There's things we disagree on. There's things that are just a part of us because of our environment. You know, it's Mm -hmm. all of those things matter. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. And I have friends where I'm friends. I'm lucky enough to have friends where I'm also friends with their siblings. Mm -hmm. Um. Because I do think it's neat. I think it's neat to experience how different people are and how different their views of each other are, even though they grew up in the exact same environments. It's very interesting. And I know most of the people that you're talking about, so I'm like, oh my God, I see you too. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's, I mean, when you know somebody and you know all their siblings mm-hmm. and you know their parents, I mean, that's really my friend group. We know, I, I, I imagine for most friend groups, you, if you're together that long, at this point, my friends that have been in my life have been there for 10, 15 years. So right. you meet each other's parents. You meet each other's nieces and nephews and cousins. It's cool. Yeah. It brings a cool vibe. So that's the other thing. So the performance reviews, I saw a woman, you know, talking about that on Twitter. And I was thinking the performance reviews would also be great. So, like, for someone like me going into a relationship, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to go into a relationship with someone who already has children um, or an ex who's very prominent in their life. Mm. And I feel like the performance review would be such a good way to check in on how those external relationships are being handled. That's interesting. Right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can't say that I don't. I don't hate it, but um, at this age now, I could be like, yeah, that's cool. I want to do that. You know, I want to know about what's going on. But back back when I was younger, I don't know how I would have been like. I think in my 20s, it would have been very difficult to be with someone who, mm-hmm. or I had been with people who had children, but it was more difficult because that constant what if they fall back in love with their ex? Right. What if they're right. always going to run back to them? What if they have a special bond because they have a child? And now, and you know, my mid thirties, I've experienced so many romantic relationships. I have, you know, stayed friends with some exes. I've had to completely cut contact with others, different things like that, where I'm like, I totally believe that people can have a child and have been in love at one point and, and now stay, have yep. grown apart and they're able to be friends and raise that child and there not be weird jealousy, you know, because it's different. It's different. Even if, so if I'm dating someone who has, you know, an ex-wife, let's say, even if we as a couple encounter the exact same problems they encountered, and I'm talking, I'm not talking about cheating and domestic violence. I'm talking about your regular 
run-of-the-mill problems like staying out too late spending money on this not cleaning up after yourself whatever the regular bullshit it's still going to be different right because i'm a different person they're my partner is hopefully a different person at this point there are reactions the way we handle things the way we respond to things are everything's going to be different absolutely so those relationships are not the same Mm -hmm. you can't i don't see how people can even compare relationships me either and that's why i find it weird you know when like i've gotten phone calls i've received phone phone calls mm-hmm. from my ex's new, new partner you know at one point and in both of them my reply was it doesn't matter what my what we were like it has yeah. nothing to do with your relate and i knew that but even doing that he was so wrapped up in his head. He told me everything that I said about him, but I literally, that's how I responded to her. <laughs> right. You know, and then the other one as well. I was like, you can't, there's no comparison. Yeah. You know, I was, I was so young. And yeah. You can't, I can't even get, you know what I mean? Like I was 19, 20 years old. Yeah. Can't ask me about that. I've I changed. Think, I can't. I think it shows too an ability to healthy cope with relationships. Do you know what I mean? Like I have the ability, I was in an awful relationship for years. We all know this because mm-hmm. I talk about it, mm-hmm. but I have the ability to talk about that and not go to that dark space. I don't mm-hmm. hate him. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Do you know what I mean? Um, I hope that he's wonderful and lovely mm-hmm. to his current girlfriend, but I doubt it because of who he is as a person, right. you know, but I don't care. And if he does give her the world, great, good for them. Enjoy it. And it's, but I, I know so many people who can't let that anger, go and then i think because shame for them yeah and then when you hold on so if i was still holding on to that anger at my ex that would trickle into my other relationship so then if my partner had an ex i would automatically assume they had that same anger bitter pull Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and i know that comes from an emotional place so then i'd be like oh you're still emotional about your ex yeah you know (laughs) even though i'm doing the same shit it's a deep dive down an (laughs) ugly hole (laughs) it's a deep dive (laughs) You are right about that. (laughs) (laughs) But I've been there, you know, and that's growth. You know, it's that learning that jealousy is really something internal. It's a you problem. (laughs) Jealousy is a you problem. And there is, is I do think there are levels of it that are normal, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but I do think, again, if you're able to have open communication with your partner, that's something that you can truly Yeah, it kind of bothers me a little bit. I get like this pit in my stomach whenever you are doing this, this, and this with her. So can't, you know what I mean? Like just say how you feel. So what do you think about like a pre-performance review? Like what about a pre-relationship? interview where you you ask them like to lay out what they consider cheating to lay out what they would do in the event of an accidental pregnancy to talk about you know what i mean Mm -hmm. all these different things what do you think about that would you be like what the fuck i should have went on dates with a questionnaire really (laughs) because trying to wing it you know and i wasn't even in a good place when i was trying to date but now yeah i'd be asking all these questions i'm telling you the very first date, I'm going to have to say, how do you feel about Roe versus Wade? I know, I get it. And if they don't know anything about it, I'm going to be like, really? Okay. But if they're like, oh, no, no that's going to make my decision right there. <laughs> I told you already, if I'm, and I'm not, I haven't swiped in a while, but um, <laughs> if I see like profiles where it's like, I don't kill babies, I'm like, oh, God, bye. Nor do I. Or, but... <laughs> or it's like they're... <laughs> Their main picture is them holding a rifle. I'm yeah, like, I'm yeah. Good. I mean, don't get me wrong. Go back to I, I don't mind fish. hunting. You know what I mean? Me either. But I know what you're. Trying, I know what you're yeah. trying to tell me, though. Exactly. I'm, exactly. I'm reading between the lines here. <laughs> I got the message loud and clear. You're not for me. Speaking of, did you hear that the the right wing conservative dating app had a whole lot of men, not so many women, signing up? <laughs> what? Yeah. The men were leaving reviews that they weren't getting any matches. There just wasn't enough women on the site. Uh-huh. Which is weird, because if you see the commercial, it's just all these really proud yeah. Republican conservative women. And only thing that matters to them in a man is that he also be a conservative Republican. Well, That's just, it. Yeah, That's all you got to do. Go to Texas. I'm sure you'll find some there. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Good luck. So uh, to wrap things up, <laughs> Excuse me. I'm going to, because we had so much fun doing this <laughs> last week, and I know you've been chomping at the bit for some, I'm going to hit you with, a couple of am i the assholes oh, I like well actually this one that i'm about to read i've experienced this and i experienced this very recently so Thanks. it says am i the asshole for canceling plans that were made in advance due to my mental health i a 26 year old male made plans with two friends for halloween this year in june i'm currently undergoing a mental health crisis due to lack of medication brought on by dysphagia 
the inability to swallow and keep things down the following day. I feel like a couple of my cousins have that. Um, my mental health has gotten to the extent that with intrusive thoughts, even regular conversation has become extremely uncomfortable and unobtainable. I told one of two friends about what is going on and that I will not attend Halloween in recent spur of mental health crisis. Said friend suffered a loss recently and informed me I'm a horrible friend for canceling this event. For context, I can hardly, I hardly am able to be in the same room as my father comfortably and he knows what's going on with me. Said friend said that I'm horrible for canceling such a special day, but I believe if I go, I would end up ruining the whole night. I do believe my mental health is important to preserve, so can I get my already wreck of a so i can get my already wreck of a life in order am i the asshole i don't think he's the asshole i think he needs new friends <laughs> i mean he's being open how hard it must have been so hard for him to say hey i'm falling apart here yeah i don't have the strength you know you don't even know how hard it is for him to get out of bed yeah. but to communicate that to communicate that struggle and, and to do, he did and it ahead of time. to say, I'm a horrible friend for it, and it's a Halloween it's party. Halloween. I, we, I'm so sorry. I love it, Halloween. Yeah, so do I. And I'm so but, sorry about what he's going through, but you're number one, and your mental health is number one. You're no good to anybody if you don't take care of yourself. You so cannot pour from you an empty cup. You are not the asshole. Absolutely. You need new friends. Not the asshole. And I, there was a couple comments where they were like, Oh, Halloween's still a week and a half away. You're deciding already that you're not going to be well enough. And But then what would be the alternative? Canceling the day of or, the, you know what I mean? And then, then you just feel like a jerk. I had this happen to me recently. I was supposed to go. So I had two plans for the day. I was supposed to go to a baby shower, which was at a restaurant that I have never been to with people that I have not seen in over five years and five years is being pretty generous okay um and then later that night i had a 30th birthday party in a home of one of my closest friends a house that i frequent very often that i go to you know four or five times a month probably <laughs> um but anyway so i had both these plans for the day the, and, and and to be fair i had already rsvp'd yes to the shower i had my friend meeting me at my house i had the gifts and everything we were going to go together that morning I woke up and it just hit me hard. Like everything hit me hard. I think you were also kind of going through it. I was like spontaneously crying while I'm trying to straighten my hair. I had the time wrong. I thought I had an hour more than I actually had, which is again, my own fuck up. But I was just feeling the weight of the world. My anxiety was really bad. And then I was creating scenarios of what was going to happen when I got there because of people I hadn't seen in a long time. I mean, again, I'm admitting I'm creating them, but that's, what anxiety is you know that's how it works so i made the decision not to go to the baby shower my friend stopped by got the gift i could kind of feel that you know she was upset with me and i get it i don't like to go to things alone so but that also laid on to my anxiety you know the guilt of backing out of plans so she goes to the shower i end up falling asleep for about five six hours by the time i wake up it is time for me to get ready and now go to the 30th birthday party, which I did. And basically, I, I mean, I didn't do anything. You know, I went to the house of my very good friend and I got my spot on the couch and I made friends with whoever else sat on the couch. And that's what I did all night. And fine, I got through that. Um, but the friend who I was supposed to go to the shower with was really upset with me and it became a bigger issue. And I was annoyed by it because... I would just never question anybody's mental health, you know, and, and even and for me, I don't lie to get out of things, right. you know, if I don't want to do it, I'll basically just tell you I don't want to do it. And I just, I don't know, it, it bummed me out, especially because it's someone in my life who also experiences anxiety and different things like that. I just felt like because I was going through it, it wasn't like a good enough excuse. Mm -hmm. So I get what this person is saying. And then you expect a different response. Right. You know, if anyone told me that their anxiety was just too much or they were struggling with their mental health and that's the reason that they couldn't make something. OK, you know, prior you know? to prior to COVID, I don't think I really understood that. OK, you know what I mean about like just not going to things because you're not feeling like it. 
But it's gotten so much easier for me to just say, you know what? No, thank you. You know, even at the last minute, I I remember the situation. I remember what you're going through. You know, I've seen how it all played out, but I don't think you did the wrong thing. And people have to remember you are the most important. And if going there would have boiled everything, why? Why go to something that you're going to feel uncomfortable at? I, why go to something that you're going to you're going to just cringe or just sit in the corner corner or just why? And I tell people that all the time. Why like, put yourself through exactly, that? Do for that somebody for somebody else. Do that for yourself. Like take. And I used to have such a hard time. I think that's like like you said. I used to have such a hard time saying no. And I used to go to things and I would feel uncomfortable and I would sit through experiences and I'm like, I don't want to fucking be here, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. or even going to events for people that you really don't have relationships with. Like we've all done that, done Mm -hmm. things out of obligation. And I'm just, I'm over doing that alone, but especially if I'm just struggling mentally, like, because the anxiety is not going to leave, right? There is a chance that there is a chance that you could go somewhere and you could be completely distracted Absolutely. and everything could just fall into place. You could end up having a best time. I've, I've, of course I've had that happen, but then there are times where you could get somewhere and then it just spirals. And then for someone like me, now I'm already stuck in the situation. I can't leave. Right. Like I'm one of those people. (laughs) Well, not only that, I can't get up and leave because I'm like, I can't be the first person to leave. I can't be the second person to leave. Everyone's going to watch me leave. Like I'm one of those. (laughs) Poor thing. (laughs) I make, I'd be like, bye, Sheila. I make my Walk own shit right up. Out. I mean, now, like you said, post-COVID. Yeah. And now, just where I'm getting at in my life at this point, I don't care much anymore about anything. But you know what I'm saying. I do. Get it. I'm going to give you one more. Are you ready? I am. It's kind of a long key. Okay. Am I the asshole for getting upset when my boyfriend didn't bite when I fished for compliments? So based off the title, what do you think? She's the asshole. All right. Let's see. Today is the hi all. Today is the day of my white coat ceremony. For those of you who don't know, this is the day where my first met year medical students get their white doctor's coat. It's a very big deal to me as I've worked so hard for five years battling mental and physical health issues to get to this point. Another one struggling. See, I was accepted into my dream medical school and couldn't be happier. My twenty three. Um, Oh, she's 23, her boyfriend's 22, and they live together. I was sharing in my excitement with him this morning before cooking breakfast. I began being a little annoying, asking him questions like, isn't it so cool that I'm going to be a doctor? Aren't you proud of me? Do you find that annoying? That she's... That she said that? No. Okay. I don't find it annoying. And he was giving weird answers. I'm happy you're doing something that makes you happy, was his answer to, are you proud of me? Mm. Um would be his reply when I asked if it was cool. I'm going to be a doctor. Something just felt weird. I suppose I'm just wanted a little hype surrounding my career, but he was giving emotionless dry statements. I made a joke saying that I'm fishing for compliments about being a doctor. And he replied by saying, maybe that's why I'm not giving them to you. This felt rude to me. I tried to shrug it off, but my energy noticeably died. I began cooking breakfast for us. When he asked if I was upset with him, I said no. Although I probably was, but I was having trouble processing what happened. That's fair, because she thinks she's annoying. He then became very mute and said he didn't want any breakfast. He went into the bedroom and closed the door and didn't say anything else to me. I felt worse by this, and I decided to just head to the gym. I sent him a text saying... Uh, sorry. I sent him a text saying it's free and effortless to share in my joy and spread love, but I don't understand why he chose to not active, to not actively do this. Things are very awkward between us now and we are avoiding each other. I'm just focusing on getting dressed up for my ceremony. Am I the asshole here? I feel like I may have overreacted. I'm happy he is happy. I chose something that makes me happy, but his behavior honestly upset me and his decision not to hype me up being a doctor is a weird hill to die on. How do you feel about this one? Uh, I'm very confused about this one. Yeah. I feel like there's something deeper going on. You think? Yeah, I just, I mean, but did he, like, it really depends on the person. Like, for me, I'd be like, I'd have fucking balloons. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Everything. Signs. Yeah, when she walked out of the room. My girlfriend's a fucking doctor. Yeah, exactly. But we don't know. where what you know did he give compliments prior to this right has this always person he was has he always been a non-complimentary person i think she needs to more evaluate the relationship him than the response like wait a minute like and if you have to fish for compliments from your partner aren't we missing something there as well yes (laughs) Um, it would definitely be a situation of 
uh, not talking about love languages. Yeah, you know I what mean, I mean. So you, clearly, like, these the words a- of affirmation are important to her, mm-hmm. and either he doesn't know that or he doesn't care about that. But in either sense of that, he mm-hmm. wouldn't be the person mm-hmm. for her. But that's a much bigger. He topic. is twenty two. So young. Yeah. He is twenty two. Um, but look at the accomplishment by the age of twenty three. I know. Good for her. I mean. Hello, girl. But also it does, wouldn't you be a little worried, you know, if you're 23 years old and you're getting your white coat, you've worked your ass off, you're in this relationship, possibly hoping this is the man you're going to be with, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe be the father of your children if you choose so, Mm -hmm. but you're not even getting the hype and support now Mm -hmm. in this celebratory moment. So Mm -hmm. it's like, like you said, has he always been this way? So how can you expect him when your wedding comes along and he's like, yeah, that's cool. Right. And he may grow. (laughs) Because <laughs> people do change. Which, of course. But at 23 years old, you know, a 22-year-old man, you guys are not on the same level. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that goes on for a long time. And I wonder what he has going on. Exactly. It could be a case of feeling left behind mm-hmm. or maybe he is feeling inse- insecure Does and he nervous. Does even have a job? Right. You know, when she's about to be a doctor, her whole <laughs> life is right. about to change. Is he going to get right. left behind it? See, if they had a performance review, mm-hmm. if they were yeah. checking in. Girl, please. Yes. I, but I think, I do not think she's the asshole. I do not think he's an asshole either. Right. This I one think is... they're young. I think this is a very interesting situation. Um, I give her all the fucking credit in the world by getting this at the age of 23. Yeah, I mean, for what for she's real. accomplished. Hell yeah. But I say move on with your career if this guy's going to meet up with you, he'll we'll meet up you. with you. Yeah. You know, if you got, but you don't, don't let but yourself. But she did say they live together, don't, right? Don't let yourself be held back by someone that doesn't make you feel good at 23. Come on. I could, I, I did that. You had two kids. I did that. Yeah. I never put myself first. You know what I mean? I never spoke up. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. Speak up. That's interesting you say that because I don't know if anybody else watches The Connors, but as a lifelong Roseanne fan, like this is like Roseanne's one of my favorite shows. Um, she's not on The Connors anymore because she had to pull some racist shit, so she deserves the boot. But um, Bye, girl. But The Connors are still a thing, Absolutely. which is great because it gives um, Dan and Jackie a chance to just, you know, steal the show, which mm-hmm. they always have. But on the episode that we watched most recently, Becky's daughter is the know-it-all you know what i mean like she knows the answer to every question she's in preschool and she was a kindergarten (laughs) Kindergarten. and she constantly is answering the questions and basically the teacher was saying that that's a problem and she called becky in and told her that she needs to tell her daughter to shut up (laughs) and she needs to stop talking so much in class and at first becky was on board with this because she's like yeah you don't want to be unlikable you you know what i mean you don't want to be that annoying person but of course darlene was like fuck that like you know the answers say the answers more say them louder and say it every time you know the answer so what becky came to realize is that you know when she forced her daughter to take her advice she spent the whole day not even talking at school she stayed silent and it's like that's what we do to kids you know and i re- i remember this because as a child who you know, they called it gifted. I don't think that's what it was. I think I just paid attention. I don't know. But um, we called it a sponge. <laughs> sponge. Um, but you did. You get pe- you got penalized, yeah. you know, for, for knowing more information mm-hmm. or for doing your homework. It's mm-hmm. like then it becomes a show off. So mm-hmm. it's like, where is that balance mm-hmm. of teaching kids? And like we said earlier, with your managers being able to be transparent, when you give kids when you create that power and balance already telling them that you need to be quiet or you're going to appear this way and people aren't going to like you or because your teacher says, right. You know, it does create, that's something that kind of conditions you into that. Mm -hmm. And then you go into life thinking that it's not okay to express yourself or to say the information that you know. Right. Why? Or, or to answer because you know it, you have to, be silent so someone else gets a chance. They're not trying. They don't care. But the scenario in that room when, what was the little girl's name? Beverly Rose. Beverly Rose. <laughs> so when um, Becky finally got it, like she came to pick up her daughter. Yeah. And she sees Beverly Rose sitting across the room in a beanbag chair all by herself. Yep. And then all of the children with the teacher. And then she goes over and she says to Beverly Rose, how was your day? And she's like, I didn't say anything. But she was excited. She's like, I, I, have, a, I have a green clothespin. I yeah, didn't I, talk yeah. all day. I didn't say anything. So she she's was like, getting rewarded. Mean? And then the teacher had the audacity. Always got the audacity. The audacity to say, what a great listener. 
Beverly Rose was, how all the children got to participate because Beverly Rose was such a good girl and sat over in the chair and didn't say anything. Becky lost her shit. As she should. Becky lost and you have her to shit. wonder if it would have been a little boy, would he have been quieted or would he have been celebrated for knowing every single answer? Exactly. I'm just saying. But it was an interesting. That shit's real. I mean, I, I watched that and I felt it. The Connors is cool. They bring up some very now very common conversations. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like... Um, and John Goodman's a genius. Yeah, like him on three gummies. <laughs> yeah, he was having knee pain, so he got high. Yeah, because, you know, that's what we do now. <laughs> Poor thing. But, oh man, what a great show. Yeah. Great show. Hopefully you thought that this was a great show. <laughs> Hopefully you're still here. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find us on Instagram at Keep Oversharing. You can also see we've started posting some of our designs from our Etsy shop. So that is very exciting. I got the newest best design. The new, you got a bewitched Tumblr. I, I, I love it. Thank <laughs> you. I, I love it. I knew you would. Mm-hmm. So uh, please rate, review, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening.